Greetings, everyone. My name, my name is Scott, and uh, I am the lead pastor here at Bethany North. I'm the senior pastor of our community. It's great to see so many of you on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. We know that some of you have the day off tomorrow, and you'll commemorate Dr. King and his legacy. Many of the rest of you are working or doing something else. This is a special weekend. I feel like I love when the Spirit kind of dovetails things together. To have Nathan talking about our strategic partnership in Costa Rica, being thoughtful about Dr. King's legacy, uh, dovetails purposely so, uh, with our breakthrough series. Today's the final week as we consider what Ezekiel, the prophet, said about the spirit breaking through our lives. And what we considered as a community was week one, creating a God-informed vision for our lives, not just a, a set of bucket lists or a set of goals, but letting God direct our actions. And then last week, we had a very special time in worship where we talked about God bringing dry bones to life and God's spirit wanting to transform us from the inside out and give us new hearts. That's where it begins. But it never ends there. God transforms us in order to move us into lives of blessing the world, being people of activity, people of action. And this will send us to Costa Rica or across the far ends of the globe or send us into uh, our raising of kids or life at our school or at Boeing or Amazon or Starbucks or on and on and on. May we be moving because of the breakthrough that's happened in our lives, be people a blessing in the world. So I'm really excited about what God wants to share with you today. And, um, you know, I, I was moved, Micah, by your prayer earlier, just praying, um, just the great love that God has for us to call us sons and daughters. And I get, um, by virtue of my job working across Bethany, I get to work in a lot of our different locations and other ministries, uh, Bethany-specific, non-Bethany-specific. But God has a special love for, for you all in this room and a special message today. And I felt it last week and I feel it again today. So I want you to be prepared for a special word for you because God has created a message for you today uh, to be divinely inspired, to be people moving into activity, again, into the far ends of the earth or into just the particulars of our actual lives to be people so moved by what the Spirit's doing in our lives and our community that we become people of action. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. I want to pray for the Spirit to do what the Spirit wants to do today, and we'll dive in. So Lord Jesus, thank you so much for some moments to consider together your scriptures, to consider together what you want to do in our church, what you want to do in this city, what you want to do in our world. And God, you came in order, not just to give us a ticket to heaven, but to help us bring heaven here on earth, to be pieces of the incarnation, to be part of the inbreaking of the good news. And so God, from this place of a vision that you've given us for our lives mattering and our identity being rooted in you, and from that internal transformation of receiving new hearts moved by your spirit, may you teach us today how we, how we step out and lean in to be people blessing the world. God, we want to hear from you today, so speak and we'll listen. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Our message today comes from the book of Ezekiel. It's a message called Stand in the Gap. And it'll come, I'm going to read you the scripture in just a moment. Stand in the Gap is, uh, is a term that some of us use in different contexts, but comes from Ezekiel. Uh, we're going to be learning today about significant living to stand in the gap as we're growing in our faith in external ways. 
And the big idea I want us to kind of rally around is that Jesus wants to send us into a new adventure, into our actual lives. A mission of purpose that our lives matter profoundly uh, for, for our particularities. It doesn't matter if you're in junior high or high school or college or retirement or raising young kids, raising older kids, singleness, marriage. Like, we're all really different people. But together, God wants to send us into a new mission in our lives. Let me start with a story. Just recently passed the anniversary of uh, Jim Elliott and, and his group's death in a mission trip uh, while on a trip called Operation Alka in South America. And Jim Elliott and a team of five young men, 67 years ago and a few days, they sought to head into the Ecuador rainforest to tell one of the least visited people in the world about the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ. This was a small tribe in Ecuador that still exists called the Huarani people. And Elliot and the four others, these five young men, they were all killed. They were killed by spears and arrows by the tribe they were trying to, to reach. Life magazine ran a 10-page story and the nation was captivated and the story continues. The wives of the men went back into the jungle. The wives of the men who were murdered went back in to finish the mission. And Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of Jim Elliot, uh, and her team returned to the people who had killed the husbands to tell them the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ. And they lived there and they loved them and people came to Christ. This was not a short-term weekend visit with armed guards. They went and set up residence among the Huarani people in order for these people who had killed their husbands to discover the good news about Jesus Christ. Now some of you, I'm looking at Stuart right now whose who's father's pastor and missionary, and many of you have, have grown up in a context where you know the life-changing good news that can happen when we live lives of purpose in mission around the world. And some of us have come up in a context like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like what were those missionaries doing there to begin with? Were they just proselytizing and, and dropping pamphlets? Like what good does missions do is kind of this, this kind of you know, argument that's happened in recent years. What's not widely known about Operation Alka, about Jim Elliott and the others that were killed, is they were there among the Huani people on a mercy mission. The Shell Oil Corporation was drilling for oil in the Ecuadorian rainforest, and they had warned the Ecuadorian government, if you don't deal with this tribe, we're pulling out and pulling our resources. Deal with this tribe or we're gone. And so Elliot and his team, when they went on Operation Alka, it wasn't to proselytize and, and drop a pamphlet. It was to love these people. They had spent years in country, in Ecuador, learning the language of the Huawani because they had encountered someone who had left the tribe and was living in the city. They set up residence. And all five of the men were armed at the time of their murder. They, they could have taken action against the people who were killing them. But they so wanted to live a life of mission, they understood the purpose that if they couldn't build a bridge with the Huarani and help them understand Christ and be people of mercy, these tribal people's lives would be wiped out. And so that, you know, in a modern context, sometimes we, we, we criticize or we want to understand more the missionary movement. The purpose of the illustration is for us to understand that our lives must be moving 
into the activity of Christ to be people of blessing. Jim Elliott, when he was killed, he was 28 years old. And later, uh, his wife going through his journals, which are still held at Wheaton College, his journals. Elliot writes, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Elizabeth Elliot, who lived with the tribe and led some of them to Christ and stay in relationships. Some people that are the descendants of those, uh, of those missionaries are still in relationship with the Huarani. And recently, one of the, the um, people who, who acted in violence against the party said, we acted badly and badly until they brought us God's carvings. And now we walk the path of God's trail. So here's where we're going to go today. We want to be people of activity, people living our values. And so I'll start you with a question. If, if faith is a verb, where is your faith moving in your life? And what are you stepping into in this season to be a person of blessing in the world? Friends, God is looking for people who stand in the gap, people who bring God's good news across the world and across our neighborhood and across the hallway in our homes, and across the, the, the desks in our school. Every one of us has a role to play. And to stand in the gap is to be a person of advocacy and mission and care and service. To stand in the gap is to live our faith out loud. And so as we kind of wrap up this breakthrough series and we consider where does God want to break out in our community, may we be listening to who God wants us to be a blessing to. It always starts internally here. God changed me first and continue to change me. And it never ends here. God moved me as a person of mercy and action and love, bringing your light to bear in the world. Jesus desperately, desperately, desperately wants to bring our faith to life and move, move us to be people of action in our community. He wants to send us into the adventure of the lives we actually already are living in order to tell others about his good news. And so breakthrough happens when we stand in the gap with our lives. So today we're gonna to just consider three key ways to stand in the gap. We're gonna look at having a radical faith, and this is in your bulletin, for those of you here, those of you online. We're gonna look at radical faith, that God wants to restore our calling as people of justice. Secondly, that we need to be filled with audacious hope, and that happens in prayer, as we're praying boldly for God to move in people's lives who we love. And finally, consider be people of perseverance in our actions, that we stand in the gap for the sake of others. So let's begin here. Uh, to stand in the gap is to have a radical faith, restoring our calling as people of justice. This comes from Ezekiel 22:30. The prophet says on behalf of God, I looked for anyone to repair the wall around the city and to stand in that gap for me on behalf of the land so I wouldn't have to destroy it. But sadly, I couldn't find anyone. When Ezekiel has this language about standing in the gap, the context is everything for Ezekiel. He has this word from God. He's looking for a church, looking for people who are standing in the gap. He has a God-inspired vision. Earlier, God told Ezekiel, you know, eat this scroll. So ingest my words and then stand out in the plain. And then he's like, I want to I change people from the inside out. I want people to experience this dry bones being moved to life. And then God says to Ezekiel, I want you to exist for the healing of the nations. I want you to be people who are moved to activity, that you would be standing in the gap. 
And earlier in Ezekiel 22, God is warning his people like, the land's not been cleaned. You're not living your values. There are people conspiring. The language says in Ezekiel 22, like a lion tearing its prey. They're devouring people. Like people and the religious leaders, they were taking treasures, which was God's people taking treasures and, and precious things and, and making widows within the nation of Israel. People were violent. They were profaning. They were not considered God's ways holy. They had shut their eyes on injustice and ungodliness. And people claiming religion to whitewash their deeds by, by false religion. They committed extortion. They were committing robbery. They were oppressing the poor. They were mistreating foreigners. They were denying justice. And God said, I'm looking for someone to stand in the gap, but it's not okay to live in a way that diminishes others. You've got to be people who practice what you preach. This is the gap. This is the gap. And the Hebrew word when God says, I look for someone to stand in the gap, is this word for uh, the breakthrough or something that's been burst or breached. And so real faith then means the lives are lived different. When we're filled with faith, we're called to be people changing the world. And God is looking for women and men to, to rebuild the wall, to repair places that protect humans and, and protect the sanctity of life and the, the, the encouragement to be people of justice, creating ways for God to inhabit here amidst the land. God is looking for builders, people of prayer and action and movement. And in the ancient world, the, the walls around the fortified cities protected them from their enemies. And in the same way, God's saying, there are things that are just eroding down the image of God in the people. And so I'm looking for people who will be people of justice, people who stand in the gap. And church, this is why this is so important. God is looking for your participation with radical faith, Sticking with our conviction that Christianity was given, not just to get people to heaven, though that matters, but to bring the good news of God's spirit and God's love from heaven down to earth. We're people of flesh and blood meant to be people blessing the world around us. And in early Christianity, it was Christians on mission standing in the gap that led to radical transformation of culture. We, as God's people, we were living the story. We, we took the adventure. We started hospitals. We started universities. We ministered to cities. We cared for vulnerable children. It's why faith matters. One of the men who taught me so much in my own upbringing about living like this, the standing gap, was my professor in college, Jerry Sitzer. Jerry Sitzer, who taught religion at Whitworth University from his PhD in history, understood the intersection of being people of activity formed by a vision for what God has done in the past. He was a man of deep faith, and when his mother and wife and daughter were killed in a car crash in a vehicle he was driving, and he and three others survived, he didn't give up on his faith. He, he relied on it. He continued to teach in Whitworth and form the next generation and continued to help Christians believe in faith to stand in the gap, to be people like that. And Sitzer has been writing extensively recently about the third way about the church. When we lived into our radical faith in powerful ways over the last 2,000 years, he says the church was the third way, not succumbing to the power of Rome or withdrawing and criticizing the world like the Jewish culture. Those are the first and second ways. No, Christians were the third way. And the third way was this resistance movement, both subversive and peaceful, bearing witness to God's coming kingdom. It was immersed in the culture 
but not surrender to it. And he writes on his blog, and you can go to jerrysitzer.com and, and follow along because his blog post is so encouraging about the way the church should be adapting to what's going on right now. He, he writes recently, Christians adapt to culture to fulfill the Great Commission, which is go in the world and make disciples. But Christians live differently in the culture to fulfill the Great Commandment, which is loving God and loving others. They live as transformed people. Thus, what sets Christians apart from culture is not practicing circumcision or eating kosher, dressing differently, avoiding all work on Sabbath. It's, it's a transformed life. One conversion to Christ is enough, but it should lead to a transformed life. This is the third way. And then he writes in a follow-up post, he says, I stand by this conviction. It is the church's hour. Do you love that? It is our hour. If that's what faith does. It moves us to be third way people, living in the world but not of it, praying and advocating and changing, believing that faith moves mountains and changes lives. And so the second thing I want to say here is to stand in the gap, is to have this audacious hope as we pray boldly for the power of God to believe that prayer changes things. From 1 Timothy 2, it says, I urge them, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Now this is really important. It's just, it's just a moment in Paul's writing to Timothy, a church planner, a man of activity, moving to a foreign culture, bringing the gospel to new people. Like, start a church, worship, I want music, communion should be like this. Like, be, you know, be a missionary in the culture. All these things that Paul could be filling up, Timothy, of like, this is what's most important as you, as you be this person of audacious hope. But what does Paul say? First of all, with all of you trying to change the world, be a person of prayer. Be a person to believe that praying for culture to change is to be a person of activity. Prayer and action then are on different sides of, the, of some sort of continuum. They're the same thing. And when we move into deeper prayer lives, contending for God to change culture, it doesn't remove us from culture. It causes us to love people more. But we got to be people of prayer. People of mission are people of prayer. People of faith moving to action and being believing in the power of prayer is our greatest tool. It's our greatest tool to pray. And so to stand in the gap is to intercede and plead for God's mercy to change the people that we love. People in our schools, people in our streets, people in our retirement community, people in our family of origin, people that our people love. Believe that God changes things. In the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16, it says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so standing in the gap in prayer is to have this audacious hope that God's power changes lives. I've been reading this great book on prayer recently called Praying Like Monks, Acting Like Fools by a Portland pastor by the name of Tyler Statton. I highly recommend it. And he talks about prayer as living into the Genesis narrative where we were created to rule over the earth. And he says when we, when we engage in intercessory prayer, when we're praying for others, we are loving others on the basis of heaven's resources. Intercessory prayer simultaneously restores our world and restores the God-given identity that was breathed into us first. It is the active experience of restoring creation. That's what prayer does. Isn't that amazing? To stand in the gap, it's not about us, actually. It's about what God's going to do. It's what God wants to do 
through us, of course, but when we pray, we believe. God, make us stand in the gap, people, and it's your power that we profess. When we pray for people, it's the single most loving thing we can do to change the world. And so many of us are caught in this false polarity. Either we pray for a world we feel we can no longer impact, or we work as if we alone can fix the world without prayer. We're, we're stuck in this duality. And what do I mean here? It's we'll pray for a world we can no longer impact. So many people have kind of given up that God wants to change that person in your neighborhood, that person in your family. Well, Scott, I've been praying a long time. Keep praying then. And so many of us wonder and question, God, does your prayer change things? And friends, please know, I understand when you're waiting on a prayer to come true, it's incredibly painful. Uh, I'm thinking of a conversation I had with a friend even this morning about friends of his praying for something specific to happen in their lives. And then when the prayer doesn't get answered, it causes faith to come into question. But we have to believe that prayer changes things. Like so many of us have just kind of pulled back, like, you know, whether it's the homeless crisis in Seattle or the faith crisis in America, or like, you name the crisis, like, you know, I don't know, I just, I just pray. I can almost imagine like someone walking down the street and seeing a homeless person, like, God, can, can you just help this person? And God like, yeah, I already did. It's you. <laughs> Give him some bread. Right? Like we're, we're stuck in, in this, you know, false mode that maybe prayer doesn't move things. Or many people that I know, particularly younger folks, they're, fa- they're in a different world where it's all about their effort. It's all about like, okay, let's roll up our sleeves. Are we going to pray or are we going to do something? Like, let, let's do something. I'm tired of just talking about prayer. Let's do something. And, you know, it's like, okay, prayer is something you do in your room, but real work is like, you know, feeding people or going to Costa Rica or whatever. But our activity to be a blessing in the world has to be anchored in prayer or else it's works righteousness and nothing lasts from that place. You're like, oh, I'm gonna start a homeless ministry. I'm gonna feed people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It's not about us. So are we gonna pray? Are we gonna act? Jesus is saying both. Like be people of both. Because to pray is to move. And to have faith and to have hope that God changes things is to believe that our lives matter. And so just a particular question for your after church lunch or drive home or evening meal. Who are you praying for? And what are you praying for them to have happened? And Staten in his book, Praying Like Monks, asks this haunting question if God gave you everything you prayed for in the last week, what would happen? If you had a list of the last week's prayers that you asked, what would happen? Like, are our prayers big enough? Do, are we praying for God to change the world still? Friends, we should, we must, we will, we can. To pray is to hope God is powerful. And to pray and hope and believe God has the power to act. There's a person in my life recently where I was complaining a bit to God about this person who I have a relationship with, but I'm like, God, you know, why don't they love Jesus? And God, I want this person to love Jesus. And, you know, I pray every morning. I pray for you. I pray for the church. I pray for the world. Pray for, I pray for it all. And, and as I was bringing this person, I was really going for it now. Like, God, you know, you've kind of, you know, like you should change this person and, you know, this and this and this. And then I just felt like the Spirit of God just like whispered this thing to me of like, you're not praying for them enough. Like you're complaining about them. I'm inviting your prayer. 
If you want that person to change by the power of my spirit, prove it. Bring them to me every day and set them before me. I want to change their life. So now a new habit has embarked in my life. I just pray for them. I don't complain about them. I pray for them. Because we are invited to change the world, to hope that God will do massive things. We have to have deeper prayer lives. You're invited. Join me on that journey. And finally, the last thing I want to talk about is to stand as the gap, to stand in the gap, is to have a perseverance in our actions because we're standing in the gap for the sake of others. It's what our Christian faith has always been about, to stand in the gap for the sake of others. It's like Jesus saying, like, you got next. It's your turn. You're invited to work on the wall while we worship. Our faith is meant to be fruitful in our actions. The book of Ezekiel near the end starts to paint this really beautiful picture about a transformation that happens from the inside out and how it starts to change the world. From Ezekiel 47, I'll read here, that you know, here as people live into the fruitfulness of God's promises, it says, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for the healing of the nations. The mission of our faith is to be people of persevering action. Pete Scazzera, the author of Emotionally Healthy Deception, writes, we must change the scorecard in our churches for success from great services and large gatherings to a deep transformational discipleship for every single person in our church. Faith is a verb. We've been saved by grace, Ephesians 2.8 commands, in order, verse 10 says, to do great work with God. Abraham, go to the land I will show you. And he walks. Jesus, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the ministry of Jesus was constantly inviting in. Just come and participate with me in persevering action for the sake of healing of all. There's this great story in the Gospel of John that I was reading this week about friends who stand in the gap for a family and friends. And it comes in John 1, and Jesus you know, encounters people and tells them to follow me. And then these people go and tell others. They, they stand in the gap. They are moved by action. They hear the good news and they immediately start to invite others and tell others about the good news of Jesus. In John 1, uh, verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, it says, was one of the two that had heard what, the, what John uh, had said who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. The first thing. He said, we've we found the Messiah. And then he brought his brother to Jesus. The first thing Andrew does once he learns about Jesus is he stands in the gap for his brother. And then the, the verse continues. We have this verse for you. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And then he finds Philip. Jesus is constantly finding people. He finds Philip. He says, Philip, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel. He's standing in the gap for someone he loves. And he tells him, we have found the one who Moses wrote about, about whom the prophets wrote, Jesus the Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, Nathaniel says, can anything come good come from there? Nathaniel asked, come and see, said Philip. He stands in the gap again. 
And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you still under that fig tree before Philip called from you. And then Nathanael said, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're, you're the king of Israel. You're the king of heaven. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you. You'll see greater things than this. You'll see greater things. The, the invitation is always to see Jesus first. first. We've got to have encounters with Christ. Not what our mom or our dad said. Or our friend, like We've got to have new experiences. And then we're called to be standing in the gap. Bringing our kids to be with Jesus. Bringing our friends to be with Jesus. Bringing our family members, our neighbors, the people we work around. If God gave you everything you prayed for this week, what would change? Who are you praying with? Who are you praying for? Where do you believe God wants to use your life to change the world? And how are you starting simply in prayer? We're meant to be people like that on the great adventure of our lives, actually changing the world, change agents, in simple, small, profound ways. And when we stop standing in the gap, friends, we become like the saddest little country club, like a country club with no golf course is a church with no persevering action. I don't want to be in a country club like that. That's the saddest little group We're meant to be people honestly believing that our lives could still change the world. We begin in prayer. We continue in our actions. He's got the power, not us. But our lives matter. It's Dr. King's legacy. Amos 5.24, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And you get to be missionaries into your context and places even celebrating Dr. King tomorrow. It's like, It's a Bible verse. He was a pastor before an activist. It's the work of God in the world where people, Christians are, of the third way, believing that God can change the world with his spirit inside of us. That's what real faith is. That's what real hope is. That's what real action is. And many of you are already doing this. You're you're already serving. I just want to say, like, keep going. Don't give up with the youth group, with the little ones next door, on the worship team, on the welcome team, with Young Life, at at the PTA, or coaching soccer. I mean, you want to change the world, be a youth coach, right? Like, keep going. And some of you are looking for new opportunities. I want to be a person of action. How do I get more involved? There's there's things coming here in our community. We don't want you busy, but we do want you moving. We're going to have a work day for Vision House in the months ahead. Join us. Uh, We have a missionary support team. This church supports particular one missionary family in Africa, but dozens of missionaries. You want to know more about what God is doing and you can't go right now? Join the missionary support team. Talk to Pastor Liddy about that. You want to join what Bethany's been doing for more than a decade in Costa Rica? Come with us in July. There's going to be a meeting right after church. You can stand right there and there's going to be a short meeting of like, tell me more. Like, get involved. Uh, Team North, on Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to have an event and do food and celebrate. And we just want to invite you. Like, We believe that God wants to use this little ragtag bunch of people to not be the saddest little country club, but to be world changers. Join us. You're invited. We're a bunch of ragamuffin people who believe that God can change the world through us, little us. 
I was a high school English teacher before that. I, I worked in the movie industry. And before that, I was a kid who studied English and lived in a van driving around America because I had studied American travel literature. And I know they call that homelessness. I thought it was a great adventure and God protected me for six months on the road. And I'm not trying to make fun of our friends who are without homes. I wrote a song during that season called Change the World. And I'd like to sing it for you today, but I'm not going to. And that's a blessing to you. He's like, don't go for the guitar. Don't go for the guitar. I honestly believed I was going to go to Hollywood and you know, write movies or maybe teach at a university. And I saw my life unfolding in a certain way. And it's ended up totally, totally different. And I had to, when I was coming of age and growing up, I had to deal with like, God, am I, am I changing the world? My life just feels a little smaller than I thought it was going to be. It's every one of us, our lives are a divine opportunity to change the world. Not that we might, okay, some of you will go to Ecuador. Many of us will go to Edmonds. Some of you will go to Costa Rica, and many of us will just go into carpool on Tuesday morning. We just, our life might feel a little smaller. I'm looking at you now, like, please know, God wants to use this life you're already living in order to be a blessing in your relationships, with your children, with your parents, in your retirement, in your adolescence. Be people of divine activity. And that begins with becoming radically committed to being people of prayer. So may we believe that we're changing the world. May we believe that the breakthrough happens when we move out from that heart change, people of activity, in this particular season God has for you. He's got a divine invitation. Let's change the world together, shall we? That's his calling. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for some moments to consider the divine invitation to be people of faith and hope and action, people moving out from lives changed in order, God, to experience you. We know that the work has to happen in our hearts first. We have to have a fresh encounter with your Holy Spirit. So, Spirit, move, even right now. Spirit, reign into the lives of these people. God, shake dry bones away. Call us back to life. And then, God, move us that we would be reminded our lives have infinite value, not just when we get to heaven, but tomorrow morning and Wednesday afternoon and Friday at noon. God, this week, these relationships, this job, this time in school, this particular piece of our retirement, like right now, God, make us people of action. Some of us need a breath of encouragement to continue on in your spirit of where we're serving, and many of the rest of us need a, a nudge to get more involved. And God, that can, that can be joining a mission trip. It can be just praying for the person that you put on our heart. So move us, God. May we be a church changing the world together. Change us that we would change others. Let us do it, Lord, as we love well. And all God's people said, amen. I'm bringing us back to something I said in the middle of the message. If God were to change the world through your prayers in last week, what would happen? Every one of you right now gets to be a person of prayer for somebody in your life. And I want you to pull out that connect card in your bulletin. And if you already use that, you can use some other piece of paper. 
And we're going to just take a moment. Like, if God wants you to be a blessing in the life of someone else, I want you to write their name down. That child, that friend, that person that you know that's losing their mother. The person you know who's fighting for their marriage. The person struggling with crippling anxiety or a body who's breaking down. The someone who doesn't know that Jesus loves them. The someone who's forgotten they matter. I want you to write their name down. If you want our prayer team to to make contact with you and to follow up, you can put your name and your email and all that. You don't have to. Just, just write a name. And if a name feels vulnerable because you're sitting with somebody, you're like, put an initial, put an X. You know, God knows. And then I want you to, as you write, I want you to pray for them. And then I want us to move. And I want us to fill this stage with the prayers of God's people, not for you, for someone else. And if, you, if you're so moved, you can stop and kneel here but you'd, you can stop and pray with our prayer team members. We'll have prayer team members on either side. You can come forward now, prayer team. But for many of the rest of us, we're going to be just writing someone down, something that God, someone that God has put on our hearts and in our lives. And then let's just litter this stage with the prayers of his people, changing the world with litter of scraps of names. Every name a story that the spirit of God wants to breathe into. And if it's hard for you to move, and you're locked in the middle and you want to stay, that's okay. No judgment. But I invite many of the rest of us to take a name, write it down, and fill the stage with the prayers of his people. He's changing the world through you and you and you. It's beautiful, actually. So let's take some time and consider together who God wants us to be changing the world to and then move as a people, fill this stage with names as we worship.